Hey, wow, Merry Christmas, guys. This is fun to have you here today, and I want to thank you for making this a priority uh, in your life because there's a lot of things going on, aren't there? A lot of things to do, and we're going to have a great time and uh, hopefully just worship all week long our great God. Well, how about those Chicago Bears, huh? Let's give the Bears a hand. Oh, yeah. Winners of the NFC North. Uh, we have an incredible team. How many are Bears fans? Just got an idea here. All right. That's a healthy, healthy amount. Uh, the rest of you are still trying to win to God's team. Uh, what a quarterback in Matt Trubisky. I mean, he really, just amazing, amazing young quarterback. And then, of course, you have Kale Mack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the animal. <laughs> oh, wasn't it sweet? Of course, you remember 1985 and 2007 and 2010. Oh, those Packers. They beat us in that NFC championship game. And oh, it was such sweet revenge last week to take them down. And the Bears are going to the playoffs. And that is reason for great, great joy. And I see a Super Bowl in our future. Don't you? You got to believe, you got to pray. Now, you see, uh, I always wear the jersey of uh, if the Cubs win something important or, or the Bears. And my wife said, Dan, you can't wear that. This is Christmas. And I said, okay, hon. And so I was at least able to wear it for a little bit. And, and you know, people say, well, why don't you wear a Sox jersey or a Blackhawk jersey? I don't have those, Okay. So if you want to give me one, I might wear it if things go well with them. Oh, I tell you, what a great thing. Well, this is the last weekend to update you on our Wiseman Truth Initiative. Our slogan is truth over tradition. Say it with me. Truth over tradition. Hopefully you all know by now. The wise men were not at the nativity scene. They had to travel 700 miles when they saw the star, and they came to Jesus' house in Nazareth and worshiped him. And of course, we know so many people, hey, we're not going to blame them. We're not going to put them down. It's just what our culture has taught them. Put the wise men at the nativity scene. But that's not the where, where they should be. So we've encouraged you to take the, the card and put, uh, came back, or excuse me, arrived two years later. Uh, we've encouraged you to go in. And, and this, is, this is really an important week, okay? Because you guys are going to be at some parties, aren't you? Some Christmas parties. And now this is the time where you get to move the wise men. Just keep a note card in your pockets that arrived two years later. You know, I, I just am so passionate about this. Uh, I said, what can I do? How can I move this whole initiative to a new level? And you know what I noticed was banks 
love nativity scenes, don't they? I don't know if it's a requirement by the FDIC, but they've got to have the white nativity scene out there, you know, with the white boards and things like that. And praise God, somebody still shows the nativity scene, right? Displays it. Thank God for that. But again, they have the wise men there. So I said, you know what? I am going to go to Banks and ask them if they would just allow me to put a, a small sign on one of their wise men that says, arrived two years later. I did this on Thursday, and, and I went to Homestain Bank, my, my personal bank, where I have several accounts, thousands of dollars. <laughs> so I, I go in and say, hey, I am a customer here at Homestay Bank. I have money in your bank. And, and I was just wondering if I could put this sign up. And, and the lady looked at me, and she just said, no, that's our marketing department. It's like, wow, okay. <laughs> just shut down at Homestay Bank. I might just have to move my thousands elsewhere. And then I went to BMO Harris Bank out in front, you know, near Jewel there. They've got one that kind of is in the back of the bank. And so I went in there, and this nice personal banker I talked to, and he said, what's your number? And I'll have the manager call you. And I'm still waiting for that call. Then I went out to Algonquin Bank and Trust. That's our bank, the Springbrook Bank, where we have a couple different accounts, and there's more than just a couple thousand dollars in them. You know, I thought, okay, I'm going to go in there, and and I talked to this personal banker, and I said, yeah, our church, uh, we use this as a bank, and I explained the whole thing. And you know what? She said, well, of course, of course, and this. Uh, was my friend. I took a selfie just to show I, I really appreciate her. How many, did anybody notice this? It's right on Algonquin Road. Uh, yeah, the Heflins did. They noticed it. They got their eye out uh, for the wise men. So this is where we have this sign. I don't know if it's still up or not. I just told her, leave it up for a couple hours, whatever she wanted to do. And so this is a major win. A major win uh, for our movement, Algonquin Bank and Trust. Well, I've been looking at a lot of decorations, you know, trying to find the wise men. And I've, I found some really strange things. For example, there's proportionate decorations for your house, and there's disproportionate. Now, this would be an example of proportionate decorations. Uh, Decorations. This is in my neighborhood, and oh, you got a little Santa there. Uh, you got some you know, lights and a wreath. Uh, you got that kind of thing. Now, this is a disproportionate uh, decoration. Okay. <laughs> it's held down by wires, you know, and cables and. Uh, I mean, this thing is like, it's like 13 feet high. I don't know. I don't know, they bring in a truck to put it up or something like that. And you wouldn't believe it, but several years ago, there was another one with it that was had his head down. And the guy probably just got tired of, of hanging it up. <laughs> so yeah, that's a big, big, big 
uh, decoration. And then one of my wife tipped me off. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know the, somebody wants something new every year there, so they've got everything. Yeah, it's interesting to see how people celebrate Christmas. And we've been in a series entitled Unusual, An Unusual Christmas. So we've talked about the wise men a couple weeks ago. And last week we talked about Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? What was the significance behind that? And today we're going to talk about the shepherds and how the angels came to announce that Jesus Christ was born. Now I want to start out with a history of shepherds in the Bible. Now when you think about Adam and Eve, they were in the garden. It must have been a pretty big garden if it had all the the animals of the world, right? You ever think about that? I mean, like Noah's Ark, you know? <laughs> it's a pretty massive place, probably, that they had to, to care for. And, of course, they were cast out of the garden because of sin. And then they had their sons, Cain and Abel. We read in Genesis, And again, Eve bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. There you have it. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Shepherd, shepherding is the oldest profession in the world, as well, of course, farming. So this started out very, very early. And when you study the patriarchs of the Bible, when you study Abraham and Moses and Jacob... They all were shepherds, and shepherds, well, that was a very important thing to do because, you know, as the world became populated, mostly it was nomadic peoples. They would just travel uh, with their herds, and whether it be the chief or whether it be the slave, they were all taking care of sheep and goats and all different types of lifestyle. That was just the way that it was. Now, what happened was, of course, we had Jacob and uh, his son, Joseph, remember the 12 different tribes, uh, Joseph uh, was again taken into Egypt, uh, sold out by his brothers, and Joseph lived there, and of course, God used him to become the ruler, or (laughs) one of the rulers of the nation of Egypt. And the thing about Egyptians is they hated sheep. You know what what they worshipped? They worshipped cats. Can you imagine that? Worshipping cats. Uh, I I like the one on the right. It's got kind of a little, you know, uh, (laughs) sinister uh, look. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why anybody would worship a cat. But it does tell me that uh, passed down in this genes with cats, they, they have this sense of royalty, the sense that they're above other people, that they should be served, not like the precious dogs uh, that all of us own. And, and dogs, they uh, were domesticated first. That was the first pet. So at least they have it uh, on top of cats there. So what happened was is that you know the people were in Egypt and, and Jacob and the whole family came down, and they grew, and the years went by, and 
And then finally, of course, they were taken into slavery. They forgot about Joseph, uh, the king did, uh, the, uh, the pharaoh. And so they were living in slavery. And then, of course, they were delivered in the Passover. So when you think about it, they, they lived in this area. So they used to really be focused on shepherding and uh, taking care of livestock. But when they got to Egypt, they found that the Egyptians hated shepherds. They despised shepherds. They were more agrarian, you know, growing foods, farmers, that kind of thing. So, so it's interesting, there was a shift in the mind of Israelites after they were in Egypt, they came back, and when they, they came into the promised land, they were much more focused on farming than they were shepherding. And so shepherding really wasn't a glorious thing anymore. It was really a very difficult job. You had to be out with the sheep 24 hours. Uh, either you were sleeping with the sheep or... Uh, you were tending to them, and sheep are really dumb animals. Has anybody owned any sheep or anything of that nature? Okay, well, let, let's talk about this for a second. If you've had, so that was purpose. I did that on purpose. I didn't fall. I didn't fall. People are always worried about me falling. Stand up, my friend. What's your name? Mark Calhoun. Tell us about sheep. Um grew up with hogs, and we used to have a empty barns, and we used to put sheep in there just to keep the grass down, and you're absolutely right. They're the dumbest animals alive. Tell they us will, more. They will follow the leader. Follow the they leader, will, okay. They will, they will you, you'll chase them away. They won't move if the leader doesn't move. Okay. Um, they, they would jump off a cliff if the leader jumped off the cliff, literally. <laughs> so, uh, so they're hard to train? Uh, impossible to train. <laughs> impossible to train. So, okay. But, um, and I don't know what else. You, we're on a farm? Yeah, in, in Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Gene, what, what's your experience with sheep? Uh, when I was a teenager, we raised sheep back in Iowa. And how would you characterize sheep? There's only one thing dumber than a sheep. That's that. The person who raises them. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well stated. Well stated. And you see, friends, th 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 thank you so much, guys. That was just perfect. Because what you need to realize is that what does God call us? He calls us sheep. He's the good shepherd, right? Jesus Christ said, I am the good shepherd so that means that we're sheep. And what are sheep? They're stupid. I mean, they are dumb. Like these uh, people gave personal examples. I mean, yeah, they're just clueless. They'll, they'll just wander. They'll wander if they're not guided. They'll just drift off. And, and the idea is, is they really don't... They have no protection whatsoever. They don't have claws or teeth. I mean, they're just sitting there waiting for some wolf to come along and attack them. Sheep, yeah, if one sheep goes over a cliff, they'll just continue to follow like lemmings, right? They, they really don't think that well from them, for themselves. And also, they're really hard to train. Because they're just known as dumb. Now, how do you feel about that? 
How, how do you feel about being a sheep, being described as a sheep? And, and some of you think, well, don't describe me as a sheep. I, I'm rather, I'd rather be a lion or a bear, right? Chicago Bears, or I'd like to be a gazelle, you know? There's all kinds of exciting animals, but God calls you a sheep, and there's a reason for that, isn't there? Because when you look at sheep, I tell you what, I can identify with sheep in my own life, because I want to live for God. I just want to serve Him and sometimes I'm just so stupid. Really. I mean, everybody has to realize, go ahead and say, I'm stupid. Ready? One, two, three. I'm stupid. Now, that's typically something you don't share in daily conversation uh, when you meet somebody for the first time. But friends, if you don't, if you don't understand and own that mentality, you are going to be in big trouble. Because you see, if you have a, a sheep who thinks it has, has it all together, and just, I'm going to go off on my own, which many times we do, right? Oh, we got no problems. We can take care of ourselves. Boom. There's death, right? And so the key to the Christian life is to realize that we don't have much. And we need to humble ourselves before God and say, wow, Lord, this world is really complicated, and I'm really weak. And I can so easily be tempted into sin. I can so easily just do dumb things because I'm a sheep. But you're my shepherd. What did Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. And sheep need a shepherd. So my question for all of us today is, how much are we depending upon ourselves? In a, lar- a crowd this large, uh, there are probably a lot of self-righteous people who think, yeah, you know, I've got it together, and I don't really, you know, God is good to have, and, and I'll put them over here in this compartment, and sometimes I'll go to him. And you don't realize how dumb you are spiritually. Your spiritual knowledge is very, very small. It's only when we realize how weak we are that we humble ourselves to be led by a good shepherd. We we don't want to be led, right? Oh, I got all kinds of ideas for my life and agendas and places to go, people to see, right? But when I humble myself and say, God, (laughs) this life is really, (laughs) I need help. Is that hard for you to say? I need help. Is it hard for you to receive things from other people? Do you find that you're not praying a lot? Well, if you're not praying a lot, means you think you got it all together. I mean, it really does. Because you pray when you know, hey, I need some help here. And and sometimes God has to put us in very difficult situations before we will say, help me, God. Help me. I'm a sheep. I'm not the brightest spiritually. 
I'm very hard to train. I try, I, I try not to sin, Lord, but I keep going back to it. I'm hard to train, and I know if I, I don't stay close to you, I'll go off a cliff. I'll get stuck in a bush and starve. You have to identify that you are a spiritual sheep. And the, the closer you grow to God, the more you realize it. Right? In fact, uh, in the Jewish Mishnah, this is the oral tradition of the religious leaders that was written down. That's the Jewish Mishnah. It said, shepherds are incompetent. No one should feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. Wow. <laughs> the issue with shepherds is that once they fell kind of out of favor, even though David was a shepherd, and that, that was kind of like, oh, wow, a shepherd becoming the king of Israel. You know, we, we read about God being the good shepherd. You know, we have Psalm 23 about shepherds, and we think, well, shepherds must have been very respected. No, they were not. Now, in literature, there was a, an ideal, but in reality, people hated shepherds. People despised shepherds because it was such menial work. You could have a child do this work in people's minds, and therefore shepherds were looked down upon. And also, uh, because of some bad apples, uh, they became known as, well, not the most trustworthy people. Liars, thieves, cheats. In fact, they could not even testify in court because nobody would believe them. Now, does that make any sense whatsoever? Is God going to give the greatest news ever delivered? And he chooses people that nobody trusts their word. Think about that for a moment. Think about how upside down that is. Well, friends, we have an upside down God. And I don't need to hold this. <laughs> we have an upside down God. Jesus came into this world to turn it upside down. It's only view it in a different way. Jesus came to save lost people. Luke 7:34. The Son of Man, Jesus, has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. I'll talk a little more about that in a moment. Another passage, Jesus says, Jesus answered uh, the religious leaders, those who are well, are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why did, why did Jesus hang out with the sinners? Why did he address them primarily? Because they knew that they were sick. 
They knew that they were spiritual sheep. They knew that they couldn't put their lives together. They knew they were weak, and that's how society viewed them. I mean, look at who uh, Jesus ministered to. These were sinners and, and really outcast women. I mean, back in that day, oh my, a woman's place was in the home, and if she wasn't public, no self-respecting Jewish man would talk to her. I mean, she really didn't have very little value in the culture. And what did Jesus do? He turned the culture upside down. He spent time with women. They were part of his ministry. They financed his ministry. He talked to women. He engaged with with them. It was upside down in the way he treated women. It was so beautiful the way women should be treated. How about the poor? And we've talked many times about the fact that the Israelites, they were basically poor. But it's always interesting, no matter how poor you are, you can find somebody that's poor, right? (laughs) And, and discriminate against them. Well, that's what they were doing. You know, They didn't treat the poor well. But Jesus Christ came to love the poor and the unclean. You know, in the Old Testament, they have all the ceremonial laws that they have to follow. So many times, I mean, just naturally in the course of life, uh, people became unclean so they couldn't go to the temple So you had to do all these things to get clean once again. Again, just the whole idea of showing us that we're sinners and we need a Savior. But the unclean, you think of lepers, they were always unclean because of their their physical health. Uh, But Jesus Christ, he touched a leper. That's like a death sentence, right? He touched a leper, the woman who had the bleeding problem for many years, he touched her. And friends, when he touched her, he turned things upside down. Nobody, no man touched another woman. No man touched a leper. Now how about the oppressors? Remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector, Right? The one who was ripping everybody off and so hated because he was chief of the tax collectors. He said, hey, Zacchaeus, let's do lunch. Let's get together. And as you know, back in that day, when you ate with someone, you were calling that person a friend. Very significant for people to sit down and have a meal together. So that's what made the religious leaders so angry. Not that he would just hang around them, but that he would actually eat a meal with them. And then the racial enemies. Remember, of course, the Samaritans who were so hated by the Jews because they were half-breeds and they, of course, were worshiping the wrong God. So they hated them. And what did Jesus Christ do? He walked right through Samaria when other Jews would go way out of their way stay away from these people. And he talked to a Samaritan woman who had been married many times and was not married to the person that he or she uh, was not married to uh, the person she was living with. 
a sinner, right? I mean, she's not only a sinner, but she's a Samaritan. I mean, oh. But Jesus, <laughs> he strikes up a conversation with this lady. And he, he tells her about how she can have new life. And she, this woman goes into the town and she says, you would not believe what's happened to me. And everybody's going, what? what? A Jewish man talking to you of all people? <laughs> and a great revival broke out. Jesus came to turn this world upside down. And friends, as we talk about these things, as followers of Christ, this is what we need to do. We need to reach out to people who are marginalized in our society, people who are poor, people who are in need, people who are considered sinners, and we don't really do well with that. We don't. But we need to continue to grow. And I tell you what, we had some compassion projects this fall and winter. Uh, and you guys, uh, you blew me away again. You always blow me away with your generosity. Thanksgiving dinners, 45 dinners, 30 bucks a piece. Angel tree gifts and party, right? Buying Gifts for a person's parents who are in prison, mom or dad, and then giving those gifts to them and say, this is from your parents. Isn't that beautiful? That, that party was right here. Ninety uh, gifts, and that's maybe 40 or $50 a person. And Operation Christmas Child, putting those boxes and sending them all over the world to show the love of Christ to, to a child in poverty that has nothing, and they get this magical box from people who love Jesus. And I did some quick addition in my head. And look at this. Our family has given over $10,000 to under-resourced people this season. Let's praise God for that, huh? Amen. Way to go, way to be the church, $10,000 you gave to help people that Jesus loves. That is incredible. And of course, we go back to this principle, 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. We've got to keep coming back to this. It's when we, we know we're weak that we say, oh, God, help me. Why? Why did God choose the shepherds to give this great news to? I'll tell you why. Because they were sinners, and they knew it. They were sinners, and they knew they needed help. That's why he went to the shepherds. Because when you know you're a sinner, and, and there's a God who loves you and wants to forgive you and restore you and adopt you as his child, that's the greatest news ever, isn't it? But if you don't know it, if you're self-righteous and think, I don't need, no. I said, no, no news at all, right? Well, we go to the Christmas story. 
And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, you know, the way they would usually wrap a baby, and laid him in a manger. Talked about that last week, right? Being a feeding trough because there was no place for them in the inn. We talked about that last week. Uh, the idea that in that day there were no holiday inns. Basically, if there was an inn, it was a public shelter with four walls and a roof. And you went in there, but there was no room for them there. No innkeeper that we know of, not mentioned in Scripture. Most likely, uh, they probably stayed in kind of a, they had like a cave. They dug an area out uh, where they would keep the animals. And and most likely there, we're not sure, but that'd be my best guess. The Jesus Christ, God, the God-man, Emmanuel, born in a place for the animals. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Why did God choose the shepherds? I think one of the reasons was that they were watching over all the sheep and the goats. They were watching over all of them. And as I said last week, most <laughs> probably uh, these sheep were destined to be sacrificed at the temple in Jerusalem. I mean, just made sense, right? Now, I did say that uh, 1.2 million sacrifices took place uh, on a day last week. And, you know, I have to say I'm not sure about that. I mean, I got the information from a source. But I came across another stat that sounded a little more realistic. And that was during the Passover period when everybody was coming from everywhere and they all needed a sacrifice, uh, there were probably 250,000 lambs and other types of animals sacrificed. So again, uh, these, <laughs> these shepherds were taking care of the sheep that would be sacrificed so that the people's sins would be covered it means it was foreshadowing Christ. They had to do this to show that they had faith in God. And, and they were taking care of these sheep. And Jesus Christ was coming to replace all those sheep. He was the Lamb of God. He was the final sacrifice, the only sacrifice that God would allow in order that we might be forgiven of our sin. Jesus came to the shepherds who are watching the sheep that, that, that died to cover over sin. I don't know, it's kind of like, you're out of a job. <laughs> no, no, you know? I mean, we don't need these sheep anymore to sacrifice because I am the sacrifice. I have come to bear your sin. I've come to give you freedom from sin. I've come to guide you, you sheep. <laughs> right? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now we know anytime God showed up or an angel showed up, uh, people just fell apart. 
because it was just unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> it was like, what is happening? And especially like Isaiah, remember how he fell before God? And he just was like dead. Because when you're in the presence of God, you are so aware of your sin and how holy he is. And uh, yeah, this angel appeared. Now, there's three angels that are named in the Bible. Lucifer, uh, the devil, uh, Michael, and uh, Gabriel. So Gabriel made the announcements uh, to others. So probably assume this is Gabriel telling the shepherds and the shepherds. <laughs> I mean, you talk about living all your life out there. Maybe it, you know, you had bad weather and things of that nature. But all of a sudden, the place is lit up. I watched the National Lapoon's uh, Christmas vacation. It's like <laughs> when he plugs in the lights, you know, <laughs> boom! <laughs> the couple next door blows out. It's just like boom! That's what it was like. It was like wow! What is going? Oh, it's like this tree. Like, what is going on here? Are we going to die? What's going to happen? And the glory of the Lord was there. And you know what the glory of the Lord is. It's a Shekinah glory of the Lord that was over the temple, or in the Holy of Holies, that is, that was over the tabernacle that I believe was a star that the wise men followed to Bethlehem. And the glory of the Lord, remember, Jesus Christ has a resurrected body. And we will see him face to face in heaven. But God is a spirit. All right? He doesn't have a form. Uh, he's infinite in every way. And Jesus Christ, of course, is as well. But the only thing that we see about God when he, when he shows up is light. Bright, bright light. And he's existed forever. So we won't look into God's eyes but we will when we look into Jesus' eyes. But God, there's going to be no need for sun in heaven, right? Because God's glory will light every day, every day into eternity. And that's what the shepherds experienced. They experienced what glory is going to be like because His glory filled the sky and shone around them. And of course, they were fearful. And angels said to them, fear not. They always said that, right? Hey, it's okay. Okay, okay. <laughs> for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now again, friends, this is the most, the most important historical announcement in all of history. Right? I mean... This is it. This is the game changer. And for the first time in this mode, it's being presented on earth, the people who were living that day, God had shut down from the people of Israel for 400 years. They had no prophet. They always had a prophet that would tell them they're messing up or whatever. You know. But there was no prophet. God was nowhere. It was silent. There was no contact. And all of a sudden, after 400 years, boom! Boom! God is here. <laughs> and he said, I bring you news of great joy. It will be for all the people. Oh, great news. 
great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. A Savior is born, and he's going to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the one they've waited for. And you see, he went to shepherds because they were sinners who knew they needed a Savior. And they believed that this was the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. Now, the religious leaders, and of course, they didn't believe it after Christ lived his life and died and rose again. But the shepherds got it right away. I mean, they were, I mean, <laughs> don't you love to tell good news? Ah, isn't that fun when you have some really good news to share with somebody like your wife or a friend? And you're just, oh, can't tell you yet. Can't tell you yet. I'm going to tell you tonight. We're going to get together and we're going to have a meal. And I'm going to tell you some fantastic news. Just like Rich Willard is a grandpa now because his daughter Natalie had a baby. Ezra, yeah, you can clap him on now. We got to celebrate more. Yeah, that's good news. Or when, when, when a guy says to a gal, I want to marry you. Now that is really good news, right? Uh, initially. <laughs> and then eventually you work everything out, right? <laughs> that's, come on. Come on, celebrate. Good news. Good news. It's time to wake up here. You know, we're right. I'm, we're in the field with the shepherds. Be there with me, okay? Be there with me. Close your eyes if you have to. A Savior is born. A Savior. A Savior from what? A Savior from the penalty of sin. Eternal death and hell. That's what we're saved from. And is there anything more important than being saved from that? If you have a person you're loving and trying to bring to Jesus, pray. Pray for them and help them to see that they're a sinner and that they need Jesus. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. <laughs> peace. Now, a lot of people think, oh, that's the kind of peace they're talking about. They're not talking about that type of peace in the original language, they're talking about the end of enmity, the end of a war where there is peace, not like everything's perfect, but there's peace in a relationship. And that's what the angels came to say. We want to give you, God's going to give you peace with him, right? You can have a relationship with God now. God wants peace with you. Through his son, Jesus Christ. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? The lights go out. And these guys 
they're like jazzed. I mean, like, whoa, like, most important day of my life, like, the Messiah has come. You do not appreciate what this would mean to a Jewish shepherd. The Messiah was here, and the angels told us to go and see him. When was the last time you were just like, oh, you were on fire with excitement? Oh, you just, Bears fans, yes, and uh, whatever, you know. But you were just so joyous about something. The adrenaline was just sweeping through these men. Oh, they could not wait. And they went with haste. In the Greek, that means they ran really fast. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Oh, Mary and Joseph are confused. Mary and Joseph are in some area where they're animals. And this miracle's happened, but it's kind of unreal. And it's interesting that God sent shepherds. He didn't send the religious leaders. I mean, they were peasants, and they, they could relate to shepherds, and these shepherds came, and they say, you wouldn't believe what just happened to us. Can you imagine the conversation and the joy that filled that area? Oh, my. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. <laughs> These guys are, I mean, Bethlehem, of course, backed out, you know, the census. And they're going through town. They're whooping it up. You know, they're telling everybody, you know. And, and people wondered, like, wow, they really have lost it. <laughs> Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I like that because, you know, <clears throat> I've looked at this verse and I said, okay, she treasured the idea that she gave birth to the Messiah. But I really, my opinion is she's thinking about the shepherd's visit. What is she treasuring? What is she thinking about? I think she's thinking about, wow, God told the shepherds. And they came and told me, uh, friends, my, my encouragement to you is if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, you can have it today because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today you can be saved, but you can't be self-righteous. You've got to come to the point where you say, I can't do it. I can't be good enough. Everything I do isn't good enough. And Jesus, I need you. You came. You came, and I want you to be my Savior and Lord. In fact, I have a prayer uh, in the uh, notes that you can pray to God. Just think through it and understand it, the whole idea of going to him. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and empower me to do your will. And if you want to talk to me after the service, talk to other people. I can help you. Uh, with this. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, oh my, oh my. Oh, Lord. What joy. What joy. And just not the joy of coming to know you, but the joy of knowing you, walking with you, having you as our good 
shepherd, Lord. And I pray for anyone who doesn't understand, help them to seek me out or someone else so that they can become one of your sheep. In Christ's name, amen.